Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Hey, it's together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg as we talk about relationship and marriage issues and really just bring in a man and woman perspective. And everybody always says these are the best shows of the week. I don't try to take no offense to that, but it is a lot of fun having Martha here by my side as we kind of, I don't know, barrel through these issues. You know, but I, I want people to keep in mind that the I Work For Him show is here to help erase the wrong programming in my mind, in your mind, that we can live two separate lives, one on Sunday and the other life six days, six other days of the week. We've got to stop doing that, but it takes a paradigm shift in our minds. And really, our approach to marriage, our approach to relationships should also be radically different than the world in which we live. Romans 12, 2 talks about this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you and me think. You know, every day, Martha and I are, are, are kind of tackling subjects, and we decided as we are nearing closer and closer the end of the year, the beginning of a new year, and of course, Christmas time, that we talk about contentment because people really struggle with contentment in our country, and I think that is something that the lack of contentment in the first 13 years of our marriage really drove us to places we shouldn't have gone, but the working on contentment, as Paul talked about in Romans 4, 11 through 13, 
As we've learned to be content, it our lives and our marriages has been transformed. So we want to share that with you today. But really, it goes off of this verse, Martha. I'll read it in the New Living Translation, and you can read it in Amplified. Awesome. I can't wait. All right. Don't love money. Be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never... F- <laughs> for God has said, God I will, it said, God has said that I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. That's right. And in the Amplified, it says, let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature be free from the love of money. Shun greed. Be financially ethical, being content with what you have. For he has said, I will never under any circumstance desert you nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Now, the Amplified Bible goes in and describes words as, you know, what they try to do with the New Living Translation is make it readable. The Amplified Version takes the original text, which is written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, depending on which part of the Bible you're in, and and draws it out to try to help you understand what's really being said. And it's great if you want a great explanation in English. If your Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic are really good, then just read it in the original text. Mine's a little rough. I don't know. Jose, how's yours? Uh, pretty darn rough. Yeah, rough. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's it's just one of those things that Martha and I just have, have discovered that the Amplified Version really helps draw out a verse pretty well. So we're going to talk about contentment today. And I've got, uh, I grabbed a quote from a very famous philosophizer named Socrates. Socrates, Jim. Oh, yeah. Well, if you watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure back in the early 90s, you'd understand where that came from. <laughs> Socrates said this, contentment is natural wealth. Luxury is artificial poverty. Wow. That's deep. It is deep. Okay, I have a quote from another current philosopher, right? Oprah. (laughs) We thought this was interesting. She's from Oklahoma, in case you're wondering. No. Be thankful for what you have. You'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. And that's so profound because really that's the focus of, that's where discontent comes from. If we focus on all the things we don't have and we think we should have and and we're unhappy with where we're at, then we're never going to have enough. And that is a profound uh, statement for us to understand. And that's really the basis of the conversation today. You know, Martha and I really suffered. In in the first 13 years of our marriage, we really suffered with discontent. We hung out with people who were at different stages in life than we were. And we constantly wanted to be where they were. And when we got married, we bought a house, tried to keep up with where our parents were. Instead of where we were as newlyweds, just broke and poor with first-time jobs. And so we got into the trap of trying to keep up with the Joneses. That wasn't really their last name. But it led to not places where we shouldn't have gone. But it wasn't that they were bad. It's just that we were just trying to keep up in a place with just people that just were not at the same spot. So we're going to really dig deep into what are the roots of discontentment? How how do we recognize discontent? How do we move away from it? And what are some real great solutions for what contentment looks like this year as we head into Christmas time? You know, Martha, let's dig into what discontent is, just in case people are confused. You know, we don't have a live studio audience today, but, we, you know, a lot of times we, which is always fun to have a crowd. There's sometimes, you know, we have a crowd of thousands. I'm alive. Of, what are you talking about? Well, that <laughs> That's is true. true. Jose has no choice. <laughs> <laughs> what am I dead over here? What is that? Uh, 
and he's being a willing participant. All right, so, so Jose, so then you're, you're on the hook then, dude. Put the headphones on. Let's go. So what? how you describe discontent from your perspective. What does discontent look like to you? Uh, just not being happy with what you have and being thankful for the blessing that you have. No, no, no. That's contentment. No, and I'm, not. He said oh, not. Oh, not. Okay, not being thankful. Okay, good. Because, uh, And give an example of something you're discontent with in your current life. Discontent. Let's see. Um, my house needs repair, and there was a time when I could just, like, fix it and not be worried about it. But now I'm just too tired to mess with it. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm discontented with that. All right. Okay. All right. So when we're discontent, Martha, one of the things is it really starts to destroy who we are. It's, you know, we chase after riches. We chase after more. We fall into that trap of that many people fall into that are foolish and harmful desires. And we pierce ourselves in many griefs by pursuing that which is unattainable to, you know, because we're thinking that stuff is going to solve our problems. Yeah, and for a lot of us, we really beat ourselves up over it because we're we're not happy with where we're at and we think it's something we've done or it's, you know, oh, I, I hate this word, but a lot of people are like, it's the karma, it's the whatever. They 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 make all these blames and all these... I don't know why they blame that on Fisker. I don't know. I don't know. Fisker made a car named the Karma. Oh, yeah. No, most people don't understand that. <laughs> oh, they don't. <laughs> no. Oh, so you were talking about that yeah, Middle Eastern but, but thing people, called Karma. But people say things like that because they're they're just not happy with where things are going and they they beat themselves up and or they blame it on somebody else, but they but it's it really can hurt ourselves because we're just if we, God didn't make a mistake. He did not make us as a mistake. We are exactly who he desired for us to be. We may make mistakes, but um, we being discontent just eats away at us. Well, let's just draw it really quickly into our workplaces. If you're discontent and you're constantly discontented in your position, you're never going to be happy where you're at. And your resume is going to look like, you know, you went to a job fair. Because you, you know, you've had so many different jobs. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it is, we got to learn to be content in our jobs. And it goes back to that Philippians 4, 11 uh, through 13. I, Paul said, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances that I am. And it goes on to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But in our marriages, contentment, you know, yes, we want to work on becoming better Christ followers within our marriage, but we need to learn to be content with who we're married to and, you know, I mean, it can be very, very dangerous to look at other people, but even so, discontentment can destroy our relationships in our, destroy ourselves in our marriage if we're discontent on, well, if I just get a bigger uh, job, a better job, then I can get a bigger car and we can get a bigger house and blah, 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 blah. We can get the kids a bigger swing set when, you know, just living in that two bedroom, one bath home with a zero car garage. If, if you could just be home with your kids, that's probably the best thing ever. And there's less things to break and wear down. Like, so Jose would have less, you know, he'd have to worry about <laughs> that's right if you just lived in a one bedroom one bath house jose there'd be less to fix sorry we'd, we'd be like on top of each yep. other like sardines <laughs> that's no. true too. Well, if you didn't have 17 kids it wouldn't be like that i only have two thank you very much that's what it seems like you have that many <laughs> all right so but the second thing that discontent does is it destroys our relationships and how does it do that martha well, it really does because if it, a lot of discontent is stirred up by um, comparing ourselves to other people. And if we have friends that maybe have more than we do or seem to have a better job or their kids are more well-behaved or they get to take more vacations, whatever it is that we're comparing ourselves, we tend to put up 
um, barriers or have arguments in our head about how unfair that is. And, and, and it destroys the relationship because we've let things or circumstances get in the way and jealousy can set in and things like that. James 4, 1 through 2 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. Well, hopefully not, but that's the example. But it happens all the time. People kill because they want what somebody else has. That is the extreme, yes. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. And that is just a really sad place to go to, especially um, when you're talking in, in respect to relationships and just allowing junk to get in the way of those special relationships. You know, when you're taking a flight, maybe you're going to fly to, let's just say this weekend, you're flying to Chicago for a beautiful fall weekend and you get on the airplane and you walk through first class and you're you're going, oh, if I could just be in one of those seats. Then you go back into the you know, where the cattle are, the rest of everybody else, and you find out you have a middle row. Well, listen, aren't all of you going to get to the same place? Yes, but, you know, we get discontented by looking at what other people have instead of, oh, I'm just grateful I have a seat. You know, that's a really good point because we were fine before we got on the plane. And then when we see them with their leg room and their leather, their leather seats, seats and, it reclines. And, and their arms can be spread out. They get out. fed. They get food. You remember on airplanes you used to get yeah, a meal? Technically, they pay for it. It's just in their ticket price. Right. And you so remember, think remember on airplanes you used to actually get free pop? Now yeah. they, they don't even get free pop anymore. People are going, what's pop? Hey, look it up on the dictionary. All right. <laughs> Soda. All right. So discontent destroys ourselves. It can destroy our relationships. But worst of all. It destroys our relationship with God. We need to understand that our constant pursuit of something to fill that empty void is a waste of time because, of course, it will never fill that empty void. And and, and that only thing that can fill that empty void is our relationship with our Heavenly Father made possible through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so many people wander from the faith trying to pursue riches, which they spend so much time focusing on that, working night and day, that they destroy their relationship with their Heavenly Father. Yeah, and in Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And um, the other day, I was listening to the radio, and I heard um, a song of Toby Max that really spoke to this because it says— you want to sing it for us? No, but you could. Probably not. Okay, well— most people will sing it in their head when I say it, but it's basically the, the, the key element of the song is I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul. And Toby Max sings that with Mandisa and with um, Kirk Franklin, big names that have really made an impact in the music, Christian music community. And yet they're saying and declaring to everybody through the song that it is not worth it to gain the world if I'm going to lose my soul. And that's what discontent can do. It can, you can strive so much after worldly things that it destroys your relationship with our heavenly father. I did really, I just really want to sing it, but I don't want, I know I can't sing, but I can hear him singing in my head. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm not going to say, thank you very much for a reminder. They get phone calls. You know, maybe that's how we could you maybe, know, have maybe, somebody call in. Maybe and... you just listen, look up the song, Jose, and you can just play the intro. That's good. You could do that. All right. So but last week when we spoke to the Moms at Heart group over there at First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks, we talked about this. And one of the things that was really cool is we found a video talking about contentment that was to, wasn't to a Taylor Swift song. Yeah. It was to a Taylor Swift song? I think so. You don't really remember. 
Okay, we'll have to look that up during one of the breaks today. But it was a great song that took a Taylor Swift song or whoever it was. It's some famous woman that sings. And they put words to contaminate. It was so good. But the Moms at Heart group was so receptive to the message because they're, they understand that their mission is to just raise those children. And, 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 they're su- and it's such a privilege to be a mom. And, but the only way you can ever get the privilege of being a stay-at-home mom is if you and your husband and your family can live in contentment because if you're constantly pursuing the things that the world has to offer, you're going to have to get another job. Yeah, and one of the things that we talked about as moms, and these are not all stay-at-home moms, but they're, it's all moms, all walks of life. And the point is that we, as the mom and the dad of the home, have the opportunity to um, set the culture in our home. And one of the things that's really important is teaching our family not to live in a world of discontent, but to teach them what contentment is and how we can abide in contentment and really, really enjoy what God has given us. If we go back to that Hebrews 13, 5 that we read at the beginning of the show, we talked about, it says, um, being content with what you have and and really paying attention to that, what it is that God has blessed us with. And that's not always financial, but it's um, time, health, family, whatever it might be that God's blessed us with being contented, but teaching that to those that are in our, under our authority so that we are setting the good example in that area. Baby, I'm content with you. Oh, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> but it's not that I'm content. I am gloriously content. I mean, it just, you're an amazing woman. I just, I'm so grateful to be married to you. Oh, thanks. I am very thankful. <laughs> now she feels you. pressure to say something Not nice to me. All. You heard it right here and I work for him. And listen, it's together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're talking about contentment. All right. We talked about recognizing what discontent is. You know, when we had the Moms at Heart group, we actually went through a little chart figuring out rating our contentment versus discontentment. If you want to get a copy of that rating tool on to see whether you're content or discontent, all you got to do is send Martha or I an email. Jim at IWorkForHim.com. That's Jim at I work the number for him.com or Martha at I work for him.com. So because we can't do that on the air, we're going to talk about how, how do we fight discontent? Now I was mentioned in the last segment that we've got a video that we found online. And again, I have no idea whether it was Taylor Swift or whoever it was. Everybody out there is going to know. They're going to know, know them, that they're going to know the yeah. minute we play this, okay. but it is, it is a video that, that takes, it's kind of a spoof on it. And I just thought this would be a lot of fun. Make me well. New clothes or perfume will smell really good on me today. Won't someone grant my wish? Money can buy me this. It will bring happiness. I just need more today. New thing I was holding. Big fit I was throwing. Parents' money I was blowing. Wanted so bad, but maybe. Hey, I just love this. Maybe I'm crazy, but I should show. I just absolutely love that video. It is so much fun. We will put the link out there on Facebook tonight. Yes, we will. But this, I mean, and we may play a little bit more later. I mean, I just, I, Jose, is that not a great video? I mean, is it that, is. I just and you know what I just, love is that line that says, I should show contentment, maybe. Right, living maybe, it out. I mean, sure. just living I mean, it out we're there. showing our contentment that it's not... We can internally be content and other people should see that. And they'll wonder how in the world can you be content in the middle of all that you have going on? 
All right, so let's get back to the discussion on how do we fight be being discontent. By the way, way to go, Jose. That yeah. was fabulous. Yeah, hooking us up, Jose. <laughs> hooking us up. All right, so we gotta we gotta just start with by becoming grateful. Let's just talk about that verse. Philippians four eleven through thirteen really should have been. Well, it is. It is the premier verses on becoming content. Mm-hmm. Paul says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances that I'm in. I've learned to get along in humble means. I've learned to get along in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both in abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we memorize that as part of our Crown Financial Ministries, Martha. And when we started going through that, we we're like, wow. We really live a pretty discontented life. And Crown Financial Ministries shifted our paradigm permanently in our marriage away from the pursuit of stuff mm-hmm. that just left us in a lot of debt to the pursuit of significance in our relationships and in not so much emphasis on our stuff. Right. And you know, it's so funny because a lot of people know the last part of those verses where it says, I can do all things through Christ. Well, Tim Tebow made me. that famous. He put it on his face every time he went to behind the ball but looking at the verses that precede that and talking about you know when you have you have abundance and you're in want okay god he can do all we can do all things through him in both of those circumstances so many times we think it's oh it's a hardship and he's going to help me get through but we've talked many times about the fact that people that have much much is expected of them and god doesn't give that to everybody because not all of us can handle it you know So I don't want to I be just, rich. It'll screw me up. If I, I get, if somebody that. gives me a lot of money, I like to just give it away because then it won't mess my life up. All right, so let's be very proactive in how do we fight discontent. And we'll start this this segment. We'll finish it next segment. And then we'll have some absolutely fantastic ways for you to demonstrate contentment to your family over Christmas time. All right, so how do we fight being discontent? How about starting by becoming grateful? That's a very good one. All right, that's the next one. Okay, we okay. But really being grateful. I mean, how many of us wake up in the morning and go, "Boy, am I, I'm just grateful to be alive today. I'm grateful that I got to sleep in a house with air conditioning." Most of us not. I'm just grateful or I heat. get to take a hot shower or heat. <laughs> Depends okay. on where you are. If you live outside of Florida, that's right, or maybe northern Florida, anywhere else in the country and maybe tuning into this, maybe even in a podcast later on. Right. Heat is important. We grew up in Minnesota. Heat was important there. Heat is not important here in Tampa Bay. It's not today. <laughs> it is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, come on. We used the heat like four days last year. Yes, you're right. I know we, you wish I could. would have probably used it five days, but no, I have lots of sweaters and blankets and everything. All right. So being just being grateful for what you have. I mean, mm-hmm. instead of going, boy, I wish I had just say, boy, I'm glad I have. That's right. And that goes back to that Hebrews 13, five. But Um, You know, this time of year with Thanksgiving just around the corner, people are posting on Facebook about how thankful they are for different things. And that's a really good way to set it up every day. What am I thankful for today that I didn't thank God for yesterday? And I love that saying where it says, what if I woke up today with only the things that I thanked God for yesterday? Boy, you'd be a got a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, that could very well be. No, I'd have you because I thank the Lord for you every morning. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not disappearing. I didn't thank God for our clothes or (laughs) or anything else. Might be a scary existence. We might need to add to that. Yeah, we're gonna have to add that list when we're when we're driving. But we'll have to do that. Okay, so take control of your attitude is another one. Yes, you know, so many times we are thinking, well, when I get this, then I'm going to be happy, or when this happens, then I'm going to be fulfilled and content. But if we live that way, we're always going to be living in 
an area that we're not currently existing in, and that just breeds discontent. Seriously, so again, all, if I could just get an M3, a BMW M3, oh, my sure. commutes to and from the radio station would be so much easier because I could weave in and out of traffic and go 180 miles an hour. I'm nope. just kidding. Nope. I'm kidding. Can't I am kidding. It. But Because I, I don't really feel that way because I could do that in my sign if I wanted to, but I don't really want to cause traffic jams or accidents. Or speed. But an M3 really would be nice, so if anybody out there would like to give us one, we would take it. It doesn't even have to be new. I think I used one. One of the most spectacular car driving experiences ever. But I'm not lusting because so I don't want to repair it or change the oil. That really or leads put the into, tires on it. Okay. Okay. Am I that done? That leads into the next one, which is really we, we all the most powerful one we're going to talk about today. need to break the habit of trying to satisfy our discontentment by buying things. All right. So there's, here's the deal. Let's just talk first to the ladies. Okay. You're having a bad day. What is it that you're just like, I just need to go shopping. I'll feel better if I go shopping. Or. Or what? Or. I don't know. The other, the other thing we talked about, Moms at Art. I if I just had some chocolate. If I just had chocolate, I'd be better. You weren't following me? No. Sorry, I wasn't inside I your head at that moment because that wasn't really how I was thinking about it. But, All right, so, no, but, I was saying that you we, sometimes we feel, we try to fill the hole with things like a new outfit that's going to make us feel good or new jewelry or whatever. And a lot of people were, you know, don't want to admit that, but. How many times have you gone shopping and just gotten some chocolate because that you thought comfort food, that's going to make me feel better? <laughs> I'm thinking about chocolate right now. All right, Martha, we were talking about right before the break about breaking the habit of sat of trying to satisfy content or discontent with acquisitions. You know, one of the things we, we often think, well, if I just could get a new sofa, I'd be so much better. If we could just paint the walls, I'd be so much better. If I could just get a new outfit, it would make me feel better. Well, if that were the case, would you... would. We'd feel better. We would no, would we? No, if it were the case, then we would. But everybody knows. And you would need that, to buy more clothes all no, the time. No, that doesn't mean that those things are bad because sometimes we need a new sofa or sometimes the walls do need to be painted. No, we do and need a new okay car. And that's okay to do that. Because no, you never need a new car. You never need a brand new car that's right. is what you're trying to say. That's right. And you don't need new clothes. You can wear the ones from the 70s. They're back in style anyway. Yeah, anything goes. That's right. So, But we're trying to talk about this, this attitude that if we could just buy something to make us feel better. And it, it's just such a lie. I mean, it just leaves you empty. I mean, everybody has had it. Everybody's had buyer's remorse. They've gone out, they bought something because, they, oh, if I just get a new stereo or a new TV, how about that? By the way, honey, just in case you're looking for a Christmas idea, 120-inch flat-screen LED television would be a great Christmas gift. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, I was. Really, <laughs> I wasn't really Thanks, serious. Okay. I wasn't really serious anyway. That uh, sound you just heard was the it. rug being pulled from yeah, underneath. Uh, okay, turn your mic off. Turn your mic off. All right, all right. Enough of that. Okay, all right. But seriously, sorry, our door is not that big. You no, can't it get would, it I wouldn't care anyway. We all we watch is Netflix anyway. So, I know. but really, we think that these things will make us feel better, but they yeah. really won't. Yeah, and the reality of it is, is if you are spending money you don't have to buy things you don't need, it really just creates more discontent. That's right. How many of you have a garage full of things that you bought to feel better? And now they're keeping your $30,000 car in a driveway because you have a garage full of junk. Yeah, it's easy to have Talk about a soapbox. Let me just tell you, people in Florida have serious issues. How many of you out there, raise your hands, have a storage unit? 
full of stuff that you didn't have room for in your home. We can't see Because your hands. garage was full, full of stuff you also don't use. We came up with a rule. No, well, I will hit that later. We'll talk about that later. All right, okay. So, But, but just, Jim and I like to help clean. We so. do. So if anybody wants help cleaning <laughs> their like house We like to organize. Out, that's right. We'll, we'll love to do that. We'll eh? help you. All right, so break the habit of satisfying discontent with acquisitions because that's a lie. It won't work. All right, stop comparing yourself with other, others. We mentioned that before, that that is a complete loser. Yeah, it's just dangerous because jealousy is not a good thing. Um, looking to see what somebody else has. We don't know what goes on behind their closed doors. They may be very discontent even having all that stuff because then they got to take care of it and insure it and maintain it. And, and they're discontent because of where they're at. If having more solved all of your problems, Bill Gates would not go to work. That's a good point. All right, just want to make sure All we right. made that point. What about helping others, Jim? The what fact the, that oh, it's such a good point. Oh, it's such a wonderful thing because, you know, one thing that we learned probably about a decade ago or so is that if we involve our family in things where we're serving others that need something that we can offer, it it really really feeds ourselves. It it um it's very satisfying. It's very gratifying. And you know that you have helped somebody in a situation where they needed it. And taking their focus off of us and putting it on somebody else is a huge way to to kill the discontent in our lives. It absolutely serving other people, helping other people not only kills discontent, it also kills depression. When you serve other people, it takes your mind off of yourself. And and when you help other people, listen, keep in mind, there's always gonna be people better off than you, and there's always gonna be people worse off than you. Always, 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 always. So just stop comparing and be satisfied with where you are. God assigns each one of us, we've talked about this many times in the show, to different levels of economic prosperity. There, there, are, there have always been poor people and there have always been rich people. That's just the bottom line. All right, so here's one. We don't want you to be content with this. Be content with what you have, but not with who and what you are. Yeah, you know, we when we're talking about marriage, especially, don't be content to just let your marriage stay the way it is and, you know, just go through every day and the motions of it. We want you to always be striving to grow and to strengthen and to learn new things. So in that respect, that's an area we don't want you to be content in. We want you to be content with your marriage but never be content that it's at the ba at the place it needs to stay. Remember, you don't have to work for your marriage to pull apart. You have to work on your marriage in order to keep it together. Yeah, we don't naturally drift together. Well, that's we what drift it was. apart. So, yeah, that's so right. that's a that's such a great example of this where you want to be intentional. That's right, and it's a huge one. But and here's here's one way to do this in your own marriage and your own family establish a reasonable standard of living. There are many of you out there that, you know, you were making X amount of dollars 20 years ago, and then you made X amount of dollars plus more. And so when you got the more, you all of a sudden adjusted your standard of living. And then all of a sudden, then you're making more Then you adjusted your standard of living, never recognizing that someday you're going to retire and your standard of living will have to go downward. Why not just a, set a reasonable standard of living and stay there? You know, it said Sam Walton stayed in the same house until he died. Like 50 or 60 years he'd been in the same house. Sam Walton was worth billions of dollars. 
That's incredible. He that founded Walmart very, and yes. Sam's Club, just in case people are wondering. That was a very good example because he could have kept built, getting bigger and bigger and bigger homes, but um, to keep We could have owned Atlanta. Well, that's true. <laughs> if he wanted to. Yeah, I mean, seriously. But, I mean, just set a standard of living and then anything extra, put it aside, give it away, pay off your debt, but don't keep adjusting your standard of living because there's such a danger. It's, it is a never-ending path. And then when the economy crashes, if you've got a really high standard of living and all of a sudden your job paying you a third, um, it's called bankruptcy and devastation. And it could destroy your marriage. So, again, establish a standard of living and be content with it. And if you've got too much, there are places for you to give it away. I've brought up hundreds of fantastic ministries on the show that could use your dollars. I work for him could be another one of those. You know, but just... Be set a standard of living. All right. Establish a habit of giving is another great one. It is. And, you know, not holding on and hoarding things for ourselves, but giving to others where you see a need. Again, it gives you just great satisfaction knowing that God's using you in a great way. Well, and really, I believe that's what the tithe was all about. So we wouldn't be so dependent on ourselves and so addicted to everything we bring home. God says, listen, I'm going to give you 100%. I want you to trust me, giving me back 10% so that you have to learn to live on 90, which I'll make you f- make it feel like 100 as a truck just drives by with brand new vehicles. I, in it. I was wondering but it wasn't if an M3, that. so it's okay. <laughs> but establish a habit of giving because if you are a giver, you will find it much easier to be contented. Much, much easier to be contented. Yes. All right. Establish. Well, uh, really, we got to move on to some of our, our, our favorite ones. Okay. All right. Kind of so, some rubber hits the road kind of thing. Right. right? Let's, let's start with the number K. Okay. All right. Go ahead with that one. Well, I think it's important that we hang around. And I just said number K, by the way. I know you did, but okay. I was just moving past I was just that. checking to see you if know, you were paying attention. You know, God brings all sorts of friends into our lives, and we need to be very thankful for that. But we need to be careful that we are not establishing um, a, an expectation to be at somebody else's socioeconomic level. So if we are hanging out with people that make a whole lot more money than us and their standard of where they want to go out to eat is five times the amount that we normally spend, then that's a danger because you're setting yourself up to spend money that you were not expecting to spend, but you feel pressured because it's part of the relationship. So either being really honest in that relationship with them or saying, you know, we need to limit how much time we spend with them just because we it puts us in a place where we're spending money that we don't have to spend. Well, and understand that even rich people appreciate Chick-fil-A. Well, yeah. Because everybody likes Chick-fil-A. Have I mentioned to you how much I love number one on the menu? They would be a great sponsor on this show. All right. So, uh, but... Oh, you really made me the, hungry for a Cobb salad. Oh, Cobb, I'm not thinking Cobb salad. I'm thinking uh, I know cookies you're and not. cream shake is what I'm thinking <laughs> of. Wow, does that sound good. All right, so, but finding friends in your, not only same socioeconomic level, but but people that have the same desire spiritually to grow a family like you want to grow a family so you can hold each other accountable and grow your relationship together in the Lord as you as you commune together in the community. That's a really a huge one. All you right. know, and that really goes along with the people that we work with, too, being able to um, relate to them and, and in the same way. All right. So Sorry. here's another one. Martha and I are really big on this. Listen to this. This is one of the keys to building contentment. If it doesn't get used in your home in the last year, Give it away. Now, we, people say, well, I'll just have a garage sale. No, garage sales are self-serving because a lot of people have garage sales so they can sell their junk so they can go buy more stuff so they can sell it at a junk the next year at the garage sale. Here's what we did. We established a rule early on in our marriage that if it didn't get used in a year, we would give it away so that we didn't end up like our 
our parents with stuff that they we love you mom and dad yeah, we do love you mom and dad <laughs> so we don't end up like my mom who's got three closets full of clothes because she's someday going to wear them or maybe your parents with the rafters full of stuff that yeah. stuff they may use someday that just give it away while people can still use it if you if you're never going to fit into those clothes just give them away so people can wear them while they're still in style but have a garage sale if you're going to give all the money away towards missions or some great thing but give away we recommend finding a local thrift store that supports a ministry give your stuff to them let them sell it they have a way better chance of getting liquidating all of it and it will benefit them our church has a thrift store first baptist church of indian rocks has the indian rocks thrift store and millions of dollars in the last decade have been given to missions because of that thrift store that's right it's absolutely huge all right and speaking of missions we really recommend that every Christ follower in the United States of America go on a short-term missions trip through a third world, or they call them developing nation. You need to go to see how people who have truly nothing can be content. It's a beautiful thing. It is, it is a powerful paradigm-shifting thing. Martha and I had the privilege of going to a country uh, back in the late 2000s, and it was powerful to see how people with two pairs of clothes and a dirt floor and metal walls and maybe a door or maybe not could be content. Yeah, it really just puts life in perspective. And our kids all got to go on missions trips in high school as well. And the same thing, just seeing that um, we live in an overly privileged society and that doesn't help the contentment. But a short-term missions trip, not a lot of times the missions trips that you go on are, are really, they're not so much about what you do. They're about how God changes and impacts your life. So we recommend that. But here's the big one right before we go to break. One of the best things we ever did is stop looking at the Sunday advertisements for all the stuff that we could buy that we didn't need, and we canceled cable. No offense, Bright House. We canceled cable because we don't have to be get bombarded all day long when we want to watch TV. We don't have to get bombarded for 20 minutes every hour about stuff that makes us feel inadequate. Yeah, one of the things that marketing has created is just this feeling of you are inadequate and you need this in order to be happy. Martha and I have been talking about contentment. I said that without even a pause. Did you see that? My mouth that was, was moving amazing. so fast. We're talking about contentment today and really how contentment it is a learned process. But we need to start by teaching our children now at Christmas time, however old your children are, whether they're 60 or 70 or they're four or five, you need to learn to be content. And so we've got a four-step process to start to teach contentment in your household at Christmas. That's right. Um, and it's four gifts is what you should give. This to is the recommendation child. to each person. To each person. Yes. And the first one is something they want. Everybody wants something they want. So get them one thing that they want instead of 40 things that they want, because then they'll appreciate the one that they wanted more. So ultimately, this is a, it rhymes. That's number one. Something they something want. Something they need. Like underwear. Everybody needs underwear. Everybody needs socks. Not in Florida, but yeah, everybody needs a pair of flip-flops in Florida. So something they want and something they need. Something to wear. It's always nice to get a new top or um, a scarf or whatever that, that might be. And then something to read. That's right, because our, our culture, people need to learn how to read. Seriously, they need to learn how to read. Well, there's so many great so, resources out there. So something, so something they want, something they need, something to wear, and something to read. That's right. That's the four points. It's going to change your life. That's what your plan should be for Christmas this year. All right, Martha, we're coming to the end of another I Work For Him program as we talked about contentment today. It really was a great, fast-moving conversation. And we are going to just, uh, we'll probably follow up that next week with some, some comments we've gotten on Facebook. But boy, I just love the thought that we got to pursue 
contentment. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for listening to I Work For Him. We also want to thank you for uh, going out to the website and joining the I Work For Him Nation. Go out to iworkforhim.com, click on the I Work For Him Nation tab. Thanks to Jose Cruz, did a great job today. Hey, did, we never gave away our book. Okay, we're gonna give away a Randy Alcorn book. We'll do it on Facebook, Happiness by Randy Alcorn. Sorry, we forgot about that one. Hey, but would you do get on today, would you go out to Facebook and just like I Work For Him? Go out there and be a follower or go out to our website and sign up on the contact us for our newsletter. I do a weekly blog now that everybody gets involved in. So do that because we're going to take the city for Jesus Christ. And we're going to do it by demonstrating contentment. today that contentment really impacts it destroys our relationship with our heavenly father it destroys our relationship with others it destroys ourselves it really causes us to be distressed it really causes us to to really just self-implode and then we need to pursue contentment we need to we need to learn to be content as paul said in philippians 4 11 through 13 and if we're going to make an impact on our culture on our workplace we need to demonstrate contentment we need to be one of those people that says you know what i don't need a new car every three years because the new car spill has worn off i'm going to drive the same one for a decade because they last that long i don't necessarily need to buy new things for to make myself feel good but to start to demonstrate contentment and help people learn to be content because discontent drives our society nuts and it drives them into debt You've been listening to Our Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg on Together on Tuesdays. We're Christ followers and we own our own business, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.